Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. Hey, uh, I don't know if you guys know this about me. I think I've said it before that I eat a Nutty Bar pretty much every day. Any little Debbie fans in the house? Well, today I was eating one and I dropped like a quarter of it on the floor. So I decided that I would go ahead and have an entire new package uh, to make up for it. I was like, I'm speaking tonight. I need like the extra energy, right? So I'm ready to go right now, okay? Sugared up. Uh, I got my saturated fat intake for the day. Uh, I make sure to do that every day. So that's just a good rule of thumb for me. But pumped to be here, pumped to be an outcast uh, part two and excited because this is Passion Week. I mean, Easter is Sunday and I'm looking forward to it because we're gonna celebrate what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so uh, totally looking forward uh, to that. Hey, if you've got your, your phone, uh, if you've got the High Street app, go ahead and open that up and you can click sermon notes and you can follow along with us uh, tonight. I just want to let you know, if I go like five minutes longer tonight, I'm sorry. It's just, we got a lot to, to talk about and uh, I think it's good stuff. So I do apologize if it's, if it's five minutes longer than you want to be here, but I think it'll be good. I hope so. I hope so. Um, hey, we're in this Outcast series, and what we're talking about is really this, is how God uses unlikely people to do extraordinary things. That that's kind of the theme of this series, is that God uses unlikely people to do extraordinary things. And I, I know this, like, I think if you were to look in the mirror, and you, you're reflecting, like, Every single one of us in here feels a bit average in some way. I don't care who you are. I think that that is our tendency that we look at ourselves and we sometimes limit uh, what we think we are capable of or what we believe that God could use us for. I think that's a natural tendency that many of us have, which is why I think this series is so phenomenal because God continuously throughout scripture uses unlikely people to do extraordinary things. And I wanna start off tonight by kind of just talking about two myths myths that we're going to just bust tonight, all right? That when we look at the story that we're looking at, the person that we're looking at tonight, that we're going to break these myths, all right? And so the first one is this, is that this idea that you need to clean yourself up before you can actually follow after Jesus, that you need to somehow get yourself together before you can follow Jesus. And we're in the Midwest, we're in the Bible Belt. I think that this is something that a lot of people believe. I've talked to a guy before and he said, I can't come to church, like as soon as I walked in, in the door, the walls would fall down. And that makes me laugh because I'm like, do you know, like, do you know what I do on a daily basis? Um, if you looked at my life, you would know that that's not the case. But there's a lot of people out there with a the preconceived notion that they have to somehow clean themselves up before they can begin to follow Jesus. And they also have the notion that like before they can plug into a Christian community or before they could go to a church that somehow they need to clean themselves up first. The second one is this. And, and this, this one's funny to me because I think everybody in this room, probably most people know this, uh, is, that, uh, is that, that this would be a myth, is that because of your past mistakes, God cannot use you to fulfill his mission in the future. Like because of your past mistakes, that's gonna prevent you from doing what Jesus has called you to do for his kingdom. Because of your past mistakes, that somehow that's going to limit you from actually what you're gonna do. And, and again, I think we understand this in our head, right? I think this is something that most of us would say, 
you know what? In my head, I know that. But do you believe that in your heart? Because that's where I find myself sometimes. It's like, I'm like, my past is going to prevent me from God being able to use me in the future. And there's a big difference between knowing that in your head and believing that in your heart. But that's actually a myth that we're going to be talking about tonight. And so who we're talking about tonight is a man named Simon, all right? And we're going to be strictly in the New Testament tonight, which is the time where Jesus was on earth, right? God has sent his son Jesus to walk on this earth. We're going to be in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the gospel books, which really just lay out Jesus's life. And this is where we're going to be finding this guy named Simon and where we get to see his story. And so Simon is a guy who is probably uh, a young adult. Honestly, we don't know exactly how old he was uh, whenever Jesus was doing his ministry, but he was probably a young adult. Uh, And we know that he was married, all right? So he had at least one thing going for him, I guess. You know, he must have been, uh, you know, at least somewhat decent at talking to a member of the opposite sex. Some of you guys are like, take a note already. Uh, You need to put that in your pocket. No, No one? Okay. Everybody's good in here then, I guess. Uh, So anyway, Simon uh, and his, I I really thought that that would be funnier than what it was. But I I think that, I think that ended up being a little awkward, but that's okay. Um, I don't even know. Uh, So Simon, Simon had a a brother named Andrew and they were both fishermen. So probably some average guys. He's married, he's a young adult. And so Simon's brother, Andrew, was actually one of the guys who was following John the Baptist. Now John the Baptist was this uh, kind of voice in the wilderness, kind of this hippie guy uh, that wore sandals and ate uh, locusts and honey. But what John the Baptist was doing was he was preparing the way for Jesus. He was preaching a message of repentance. Hey, he was telling the people at that time, you need to turn from the wrong that you're doing and you need to turn from that and you need to begin to follow what God has commanded. He was this voice leading up to when Jesus was going to start his ministry. And so we're picking up right here as Jesus is about to begin his ministry. And so Simon's brother, Andrew, is following John the Baptist. Like he's believing in the message of repentance. And one day, Andrew is with John the Baptist and John the Baptist goes, hey, that right there, is the son of God. That's Jesus. That's, that's Jesus right there. He's the son of God. Like he's, he's the son of man. There's something special about him. And so Andrew takes note of this. And what does he do is he goes and gets his brother Simon and says, hey, Simon, there's this guy, like there's something different about him. There's this Jesus guy and you need to go and meet him. And so what does Simon do is he follows him, that he actually goes with Andrew and he meets Jesus. And here is kind of, I think it's, I think it's kind of a funny interaction a little bit. Uh, The Gospels don't give us much information about exactly how this conversation went. But Simon meets Jesus. And this is what Jesus says to him. is like, nah, I'm not going to call you Simon anymore. I'm actually going to call you Cephas. Which the name Cephas was Aramaic for the word stone. Which the Aramaic is what they use in the Old Testament time. What Jewish people, uh, was a language that they were common, uh, familiar with. And so Jesus says, hey hey, Simon, you're no longer going to be named Simon. I'm going to call you Cephas. That would be like me walking up to like Ryan being like, you're not a Ryan, man. I see you more of like a, a phoenix or something like that. I don't know. That's a good name. You could be a phoenix right there. I think so. That's a good one for you. I don't know if I have any other ideas for your name. But Jesus walks up to, uh, to Simon and he says, hey, I'm going to call you Cephas now, which means stone. 
And what uh, was a common language at that time was actually Greek. And so in Greek, that was Petros was his name. It would have been his name. That would be like a stone or a rock. And then in English, that would be Peter. And so if you've ever been reading through the New Testament and you see it listed as Simon Peter did something, what he's talking about is this man named Simon was then referred to as Peter. And what's so interesting is this, is that, you know, Jesus names, you know, Peter after a rock, Right? But, but Peter's name, when we look at his life and what we're going to look at today, is it really, it looks more like a roller coaster. He, he doesn't see, you know, when you think of a stone, you think of something that's unmovable, something that's unshakable. But really, Peter was kind of a, a, he lived a life that really looked like it had a lot of ups and it had a lot of downs. And it's like, why would Jesus call him that like I don't when we when we look at this story I think we're going to see like I don't know if that makes that much sense but here's why Peter is kind of an, an outcast is because Jesus saw something in him that maybe Peter didn't even see in himself but he starts to refer to him as that so we see that this name change happens but Peter gets to experience all kinds of things it's actually Peter who uh, was a fisherman right and so later on in the gospels as he's out fishing uh, he's been fishing all night and he's cast his net into the ocean and it comes comes up with no fish over and over and over again. And being a fisherman at the time would have not been easy. And what Jesus calls to him from the shore after he's been teaching some people, he says, hey, Peter, I want you to take your net and I want you to put it on the other side because you've been fishing all night, but like if you just change sides, that's gonna work. Somehow magically there's gonna be fish there. And what happens is that there were so many fish in the net that they, they couldn't even hardly bring it up. But I love Peter's response to whenever Jesus says, hey, so Peter knew something special was going on with Jesus. Like at this time, like, he, you know, he's like, hey, there's something going on. I'm gonna keep spending time around this guy. And Peter's response to Jesus was, uh, hey, kind of like a little, like a, like a, I'll do it, but with a caveat. Like, master, we've, we've been, teacher, we've been, we've been fishing all night. And we haven't caught anything, nothing. But because you say so, I guess we'll do it. And so we get to see that Peter experiences this awesome thing that happens, but really he did it kind of like half-heartedly. He was kind of halfway in, halfway out. And I think this sets the tone for a little bit of Peter's walk with Jesus while he was here on earth. And so Peter gets to experience that there's all these fish and it's filled up, but it was kind of like a begrudgingly yes. But Peter gets to be on Jesus's inner circle. There was three guys that were in Jesus's inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And Peter was one of the guys who got to be like in the inner circle with Jesus. He got to see things and experience things with Jesus that no one else got to experience. And so what does that tell us about Peter is that obviously Jesus saw something in him, saw some sort of leadership quality in him, saw some sort of potential in him, saw some sort of faith in him, and was like, I'm gonna bring you on to the, into the inner circle. And you're going to get to spend time with me in a way that nobody else gets to spend time with me. So we see that Jesus sees something special in Peter. What happens else is, you know, Peter is a guy who uh, at one point, uh, the, you know, they're on a boat again. And uh, he, they see Jesus coming towards them. The, the disciples are on the boat and they see uh, Jesus coming towards them, walking on water. Could you imagine the sight? I think I would just be so dumbfounded that I would just watch but Peter kind of has enough faith that he decides to get out of the boat and start to walk towards Jesus. But what happens is, is he takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to sink a little bit. And so it's like, here we have Peter who he gets to experiencing something that no one else has experienced before. But at the same time, Jesus says like, hey, you had little faith. And because you took your eyes off me, 
you began to sink. But Peter had other high moments, okay? Peter experienced some good things. It was actually Peter who was, one of the, who was the first disciple to say that Jesus was in fact like the Christ. He was the savior that they had been waiting on. And what happens is, is Jesus is like asking his disciples, hey, who is it that people say that I am? Who is it that people say that I am? And Jesus says, like, and, and they respond with like, they say a lot of things. They say you're a lot of different prophets, a lot of guys from the Old Testament. But it's Peter who says, you know what? You're the Christ. You're the son of God. And so this is what Peter says. About, he's like the first to claim that about Jesus out of his disciples. And so we see that obviously Peter had like a great faith. He got to experience some phenomenal things. But, in, you know, here we're talking again about like he was referred to as a stone, but we see some roller coaster things go on in his life. And honestly, when we think about this week, Passion Week, which is the week that was leading up to Jesus's death on a cross and then resurrection, like when we, we think about that, this was not a great week for Peter. It's so timely that we're talking about this right now because this would not have been a great week for Peter. And, and, and even before that, leading up to it, you know what Peter tries to do is he tries to, uh, before Jesus has started talking like, hey, God sent me for a reason that I have to march towards Jerusalem. Jesus willingly marched towards Jerusalem to die on a cross. And he started telling his disciples like, hey, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be killed for, for the message that I'm bringing to you. I have to fulfill this pur- purpose. And it's Peter like, oh, the humanity, you know. Um, Peter takes Jesus aside and he doesn't just be like, hey, Jesus, I don't know if that's like, we, we should do that or whatever. It says that Peter rebukes Jesus. <laughs> like, don't, don't forget that, that Peter at this point has seen Jesus heal people. He's seen him perform all kinds of miracles. And it's Peter, like, I could see myself being this guy. Like, I like to give my opinion about things and like try and fix things. You can ask my wife. I'm like, oh, you should do exactly this. This is exactly what'll fix it. You need to just do that and it'll be fine. And Peter pulls Jesus aside and he's trying to tell Jesus, hey, listen, I'm not gonna allow that to happen to you. Like, I'm not gonna allow you to be, uh, to, to be killed. Like, it's not gonna happen. And you know what Jesus responds to him with? He says, get behind me, Satan. This is a guy, so Peter, he says, get behind me, Satan. This, it wasn't that, that Peter was the enemy, but in that moment of weakness, Peter was talking like he was the enemy. Jesus had a purpose to fulfill and Peter was trying to tell him, you don't have to do that. And Jesus' response to him was, get behind me, Satan. Could you imagine what it would be like to be Peter? I bet you that he felt, I, I think that in, in a lot of ways, he probably felt confused. He probably felt like he had just let Jesus down and maybe he just wasn't getting it. But we see that that's kind of like, Peter, what are you doing? And this train wreck begins to unfold. And as we enter into the Passion Week and we see as Jesus is, uh, you know, upon his death, right? Peter makes some really boneheaded decisions. And so what happens is uh, Jesus is actually praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and there's gonna be a mob of people coming to attack him and take him away. And what, what Peter does is uh, Jesus is like kind of challenges disciples, hey, like be with me in this moment. Could you imagine you knew someone that you loved so much was like nearing their death and what you did when they asked you to be with them was you fell asleep. And that's what Peter and some of the other disciples did in the garden is that they fell asleep while this mob is coming and approaching and Peter's asleep. So he kind of lets Jesus down right there. 
But his bad decisions continue. Remember, Jesus has already said, like, I have a purpose to fulfill. And he's already told, you know, he's already told Peter, like, listen, I have to do this. And what happens is, is the mob comes and they're coming to arrest Jesus. And there was actually a high, the high priest's servant was there, a guy named Malchus. And what Peter does is in this moment, Jesus has already told him, I have to fulfill this purpose. Peter takes out a sword and cuts off Malchus's ear with it. And I don't know if you guys are like me, but when I read scripture, sometimes I'm like, I just want to see the replay. I want to know what happened. Like, did he, get, did he get the full ear? Was it part of an ear? Did he get into like the, the skull more? You know what I'm saying? He, he obviously cut off a full ear and Jesus takes it and puts it back on. And I also wonder like in the midst of, I don't know how I would react if like someone got their ear cut off, but like I'm just picturing Jesus putting it back on and I wonder what the demeanor of everybody else is in that situation. I don't know if you guys ever think about stuff like that, but when I'm reading, I'm like, think about that. But Peter has so messed up in this moment. I picture Jesus just looking at Peter like putting the ear back on, like, are, are you serious, man? Like, we, we kind of just talked about this. Picture any like, good, like, gif or meme where someone's really disappointed. I think of, like, the Michael Scott at Toby face. Um, and I, fig- I feel like that's the way Jesus would be looking at Peter in this moment. Like, Peter, we just talked about it. This is my purpose that I have to fulfill. We're not doing this this way. And what happens is, is that uh, the, the, the group takes Jesus away and they begin to put him on trial and eventually he'll be crucified. And what happens is, is that Peter actually denies Jesus on three separate occasions, denies knowing Jesus on three separate occasions. And so, um, I, I mean, if you think about that though, like think about somebody you love, someone that you care about uh, a lot, like your most loved family member, your best friend, uh, what, whoever it may be. And you think about if they were wrongfully accused for something and you knew they had been taken captive, like wouldn't you be an advocate for them? Wouldn't you fight for them if you know they had been wrongfully accused? And in this moment, this guy who Jesus has chosen to be in his inner circle, what does he do? Is he denies Jesus three different times. But isn't, isn't he supposed to be a stone? Isn't Peter supposed to be like a a, a rock, right? Why would Jesus call him that if that was the case? We see that his life, in the the last moments of Jesus' life, Peter kind of lets things spin out of control. He kind of lets things spin out of control and he just hits the tank. It's not a good moment for him. Could you imagine the shame that he felt? Because he felt shame. In scripture, we see that he felt ashamed for what's going on. But in, in the midst of this train wreck, Peter did have some awesome things, some awesome qualities, some things that we need to look to as Christ's followers. And we need to say, or, or just people in general, and look and say, this is something that I need in my life. You wanna know what Peter never stopped doing in the midst of all of those different mistakes is that he never stopped running after Jesus. He never stopped following after Jesus. What's crazy is that um, when Jesus has been crucified on the cross and uh, he's laid down in, in a tomb and then three days later, the, some of the women who were following Jesus, they go to his tomb and see that, uh, that it's empty. And so what do they do? They hurry off and, and they go and tell the disciples, these guys that are in mourning and confused now, they thought they had this king, this Messiah had come and then he's, he's gone They go and tell them like, hey, listen, the the tomb is empty. And and the scripture tells us that the disciples were like, no, that's just like, that's a fairy tale, like you're wrong. 
that's not true. There's no way the tomb is empty. But what does Peter do? Is he gets up and he takes off running and sprinting and goes to the tomb and looks for himself. That he didn't just sit there, could you imagine, because he had shame and because he had guilt and because he had all these different emotions probably going through his head. What does he do when he finds out that there's even a glimmer of hope, that the tomb is empty, is that he gets up and he takes off running and he goes to see it for himself, that he never stopped following after Jesus. Elsewhere in scripture, we see that uh, Jesus has risen and he's, he's been resurrected and his disciples have seen him. And Peter is out on a boat fishing again at this point. Right, same time frame. And Jesus calls from the shore and, tells, and, and, and calls to the shore to the fishermen who are out on the boat with Peter. And it says that Peter, and it says they're about 100 yards off of the shoreline when Jesus calls to them. It says Peter throws himself into the sea, throws himself into the water and then swims to Jesus at the shore. He swims to him and goes to see him because he never stopped running after Jesus. He never stopped chasing after Jesus. In the midst of all of his failures, he never stopped. He never stopped chasing after Jesus. And I think that there's something that we can learn from that, that it's like, you know, do you feel like, like when you look at your life, do you feel like me and you have days and weeks where you feel like you're on a spiritual high? I've got this, God, you're using me. I can feel you. It feels good. It's awesome. But then what happens is sometimes we make mistakes. We have sin that enters our lives. Sometimes other people sin against us. Sometimes we just feel like, I don't know. And in those low moments, what do we do? Do we run after Jesus? Or do we run away from him? As much as Peter messed up, I mean, he rebuked the son of man, right? He tried to rebuke Jesus. He denied him. I mean, you can't mess up any more than Peter messed up. But in that weakness, he still chose to run after Jesus. And I think we have to look at our lives and be like, is, is, that, what I'm, is that what I'm doing? Is that the pattern in my life is that I run to Jesus whenever I make mistakes or do I run away from him? Peter ran to him. What's crazy is that uh, we, we get to see that obviously the myths we talked about, that you need to get yourself cleaned up before you can follow Jesus. Obviously not true. Peter was a work in progress as much as anybody, but what he did do is he followed after Jesus. Myth number two, that God can't use you because of your past mistakes. What's crazy is that Peter played an integral role in the early church. It's actually Peter that um, 30 years after, I, I wanna read this to you because Peter, uh, like probably around 30 years after Jesus has left earth, Peter is writing to a group of believers who are spread out and scattered and who are undergoing persecution. And this is what he says to them in 1 Peter, all right? In, in 1 Peter, uh, at the end of this letter that he's writing to this group of believers in chapter five, and we'll read verses six through 11. This is, this is like his closing out of this letter that he's writing 30 years after he has spent time with Jesus. So picture Peter as an older man now, right? And this is what he says to them. To these believers, he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Peter's saying, hey, I've messed up. I've, I've not humbled myself in front of God before, and look where it's got me. In verse 7, he says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Peter says, hey, I've been there. I've been broken. I've made tons of mistakes. 
He says, cast your anxieties upon God because he cares for you. He's gonna care for you because he cared for me. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. That 30 years later, he's saying, hey, if you continue to follow after God, he's gonna restore you, he's gonna strengthen you, he's gonna confirm you. This is Peter who messed up as bad as you can mess up. But 30 years later of not stopping following Jesus, of continuing to run after him, look how mature these words are. Just look at the maturity, the encouraging nature of it. I don't think Peter ever stopped growing. I don't think he ever stopped growing. And because of his desire to continue to follow after Jesus, even in the midst of his failures, God used him. In Acts chapter 2, chapter 8, and chapter 10, we see this, is that God used Peter on the day uh, of Pentecost, right? This is basically what was going on is there was a bunch of Jewish people gathered together and Peter preaches the gospel message. He preaches that Jesus is the Savior. He's the one that came to die on a cross to take away your sins and my sins. He gives the gospel message and that three thousand people, probably most of whom were Jewish, are added to the church that day. In Acts chapter 8, we see that it's Peter who goes to the, uh, to the region of Samaria and he preaches the gospel to the Samaritan villages. And so he takes the gospel message to Samaria. It's Peter who is summoned by a Roman centurion, right? A Gentile, a Roman centurion. And he shares the gospel message with this, this person of power, within the Roman context, a centurion, he shares the gospel with him and his family. And so we see that in the early church, God uses Peter to reach the Jewish people, to reach the Samaritan people, and to reach the Gentiles to help reach the Roman Empire. That this is the same Peter who messed up tremendously. It's the same Peter who denied Jesus on three separate occasions. God uses him to establish the early church. He uses him to establish the early church. I think Peter got a lot of things right. I think he messed up. But I think in humility, he continued to go to the feet of Jesus. And that's what I want in my life. I want to go to the feet of Jesus continually. And, and for everything Peter did wrong, this is, this is the first thing that he got right. Was initially he said yes to following Jesus. There was an initial act of humility where Peter said, you know what, you are the Christ, I'm gonna follow after you. That he's out fishing and that he, Jesus calls him and he leaves his nets and follows after him. That what Peter did right first and foremost was that he said yes to following after Jesus. That's the first thing that he got right. And I wonder if you're in here tonight and you've thought, I've got to do X, Y, and Z, and when I do this, then I can follow after Jesus. You want to know what you need to do first? It's just start following after him. 
You need to say yes to following after Jesus. Have you ever done that before? Like maybe you've heard people talk about what salvation is and entering into a relationship with Jesus and you're like, I I don't know exactly what that means. You know what it means? It means saying yes to following after Jesus. Scripture makes it clear that everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a relationship. It's a daily walk. It's a daily walk. It's just saying yes to Jesus. I've seen this enough with friends and and people that I know to know this is when bad stuff happens in your life, you're either going to run towards God or you're going to run away from him. You can either lean in or you can willfully drift away. I think I've talked about that before is that you have a choice to make when bad things are going on. And maybe it's a situation by your own doing. You have a choice. Do you either lean into God or do you willfully drift away from him? What did Peter do? Is he willfully leaned in time and time and time again. And so that 30 years have fallen, Jesus, he can write words like he did in 1 Peter. Listen, when when stuff like this is going on in our lives, we're going to mess up. We're going to fail. I don't always feel like standing up here and and talking about the gospel because so often I feel like I've just failed. But there's grace in the message of Jesus. And what he wants more than you to sit in your sin, he wants you to get rid of it. He wants you to put it behind you and to grow. But what he wants is you to come to the feet of himself and humble yourself and follow after him. That's what he really truly desires. Have you ever said yes to following after Jesus? That's what it takes. You gotta say yes. I want you to think about this if you're in here and you're a believer. Like, uh, what, 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 what do you want your life to look like in 30 years? What do you, what do you want your life to look like in 30 years? You know, th- this is, this is kind of crazy for me as we close and as the, as the band's coming up and all that. Um, you know, on Easter Sunday, when I was nine years old, was the moment I knew and, and, and I know for a lot of people, it's not always a specific moment, but it's a gradual thing. But that's whenever I realized, you know what, I have, I have, a, I have something wrong in my life. Like, I, I've messed up some things in my life. And it was that, and when I was nine years old, I decided, you know what, I'm, I, Jesus, I want to have a relationship with you on Easter Sunday. And so for me, I look at that, that, that was 18 years ago, 19 years ago now, that that when I started falling after Jesus and I think back and I look at my life and I look at some of the failure that I have, but what I really look at whenever we talk about something like this is, man, Jesus has done some amazing things in my life. Jared and I always laugh about it because Jared knew me whenever we were in college and he's known me for a long time. And I look at, I look at how angry I used to be. I look at just the pridefulness that I, that I used to have, and I still have it. But I look at the growth that like God has done in my life. And at times I've been mad and I've, I've been on the floor on all fours, hitting the ground and saying, God, why are you not taking this sin away from my life? I've been there. But I look at what I've done is I've tried to follow after Jesus continually and I've seen that he has been faithful. Then in, in 19 years, I see like, hey, I'm not where I was. I'm not where I wanna be yet, but I'm not where I was. 
And I look at some of the opportunities that I've had and I'm humbled. And I look at some of the things that God has used me for and I'm humbled. And I look at the people that he's placed in my life and I'm humbled. I don't want my next 19 years to not be like that. That what I wanna do is I wanna engage in community consistently so that I can constantly be pushed to lean lean into the feet of Jesus and to go to the cross. Because I want my next 30 years. In 30 years from now, I hope that I can look back at some of the sin that I struggle with right now and I can see that God has delivered me out of it. I wanna look back you know, 30, year, with 30 years from now, I wanna be able to look back and say, you know what? Because I was faithful, God chose to use me. And what I really want more than that is I wanna be involved in a community where I can look back and I can look at people who are following Christ and I can see, hey, God used that person. That's why whenever Caleb Owens was up here during our mental health series, And he was able to share his testimony about how God had grown him and how God had used him. It was so powerful to me because I'm like, that's the story that I wanna be around. I wanna be around people that are looking to grow spiritually because I need to see that. I can look at Caleb Owens and be like, you know what, God, you're working in his life. And I can see that and that encourages me. I wanna engage in community like that for the next 30 years. I wanna lean into Jesus for the next 30 years of my life. And I wanna see where it goes. Maybe you haven't even been following after Jesus for a day of your life. Why not today? Why not right now? Why would you waste any more time? The the purpose that he can fill your life with is beyond anything I could ever explain with words. If you're in here tonight and you feel something stirring up inside of you, that is not by accident. We're not just here because it feels good. We're here because there is a living God whose Holy Spirit is working in each one of our hearts. And I just wanna encourage you, like even if you're a believer and something is stirring up inside of you, maybe God is calling you to something greater Have you been complacent in your life? Have you been lackadaisical in your walk? Today could be the day that you're like, you know what? I'm gonna commit right now to doing what Peter did. I'm not gonna waste any time. I'm gonna go to the foot of the cross. I'm gonna say, you know what? I gotta, this is it right now. I need to do this. Sell out for it. Man, that's what I want, that's, what I, that's who I wanna be. And I want people to push me to do that as I wanna be at the foot of the cross on a regular basis in humility, asking God to use me. And I want the same for you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's a good one. It's an awesome one. It's better than you could ever imagine. It's better than you could ever dream. The purpose that he puts in your heart the fulfillment that he puts in your heart, you can't get that anywhere else. You can't. So I just wanna challenge us in this, in this moment, right? We're in a busy season. As young adults, like this spring, it gets busy. As a college student, you have stuff going on. We've all got jobs. We've all got uh, schedules that are filling up. We've all got stuff. But what if we still kept in this season, in the next month, in the next two months, if we kept Jesus front and center, 
and we pursued him like we've never pursued him before. As a community, we would see awesome things. And we have been seeing awesome things because we have people that are doing that. I just wanna encourage you, whatever it is tonight, if you need to take that step, I wanna encourage you where you're at. Bow your heads and, and, and let's pray. Thank mm-hmm. you.